0: the deuce when did i start podcasting anywho today's episode of reviews and done is sponsored by the pock collection and herbalism check them out on the gram all right so before we can do your solo career uh troops are my favorite groups you know next uh, um new edition in terms of choreography, I think Troop is probably the coldest the coldest, hand bro. down choreography-wise. So how did you link up with uh, Alan from Troop to, you know, briefly being Troop loaded, and then some of the songs you've done with Alan, some vicious slow I might add. Um, how did Alan start Troop with a relationship?
1: Um, I was introduced to Al through one of his close friends back in the late nineties by the name of um Dominique. Not Dominique, uh dude, I forgot his name. It's been so long. But one of his close friends. I was actually dating this guy's mom and he he out he mentioned Al to me. He said, Oh man, I gotta introduce you to Al and I was like Al he said Al from truth. And you know, I thought about back in the day when we were a group um we ran into the group while we were a group, so it was kind of interesting because I shared all these stories with Al later. But um, I was introduced to Al to one of his close friends, and then him and I talking. This was at a time where um, a Troop was transitioning from busted records, and um, things just started to look real crazy. So Al and I just talked about how we were going to work together in the future, more so me producing and stuff like that, and then. You know, time just passed, man, and um, they ended up down the road. They ended up kicking him out of the group. He called. We talked. I gave him some advice about unsung because he wasn't going to do that unsung episode. Did you see that episode?
0: Yes, sir. He wasn't.
1: He wasn't going to do that episode at all. You know, he was like, "I'm not going." to. He called me, asked me what I thought about it, and he was like, "I'm not going to do it because he hated. He hated how unsung can depict um, people." how they just take the stories and and twist them, and um, that's what his concern was. He didn't want to be involved with anything that was going to make him look, you know, like they twisted the story. So I had a long conversation with him about how important it is to do Unsung, how important it is to his career to do it and not walk away from that opportunity because he can use that to rebrand his solo career being that the guys had kicked him out. I didn't understand why they would do that, being that he was a vital part of the sound, you know. But I was like, hey, man, you know, one thing about Al, you know, he's not the kind that dwells on the past. He's kind of like, you kick me out, fine. I'm just going to keep it moving and keep doing what I got to do. So he had an idea of Troop Reloaded. And he asked me what I thought about it. And I said, man, that's a great idea, man. He said, yeah, I'm going to get it couple guys you know i'm just you know being the support of the situation like yeah man that's a great idea i mean you own it to the brand so you wanted to break off the temps had like four different temps at one time so i said well hey man look if you want to do that i'm in support of what you do man i think it's a great idea you got kicked out of good what can you do you have to figure out you know how to continue to survive as a um artist and um I said, great idea. And then he tossed it back to me, and said, "Well, hey, you, you know, you want to be a part of it? Let's do this together." And that's how that happened, and how I ended up in that episode of Unsung as well, because of the whole Troop Reloaded thing, and him and I working together, and um, working on that project and, and putting records out. And that's how the whole Troop Reloaded thing came about. And it's been our relationship has been a great friendship, like brothers first and foremost, like it should be. And then the music, of course, music is going to last forever, but the music is secondary because if the relationship is not right, especially when you've been burned in this business, you're not going to trust anybody. So Al and I went through our period of building our friendship to the point to where we felt comfortable enough to trust each other because he had been through so much with getting robbed from labels, you know, his trust levels weren't, he kind of really didn't trust nobody, you know. But after he really got to know and see how I operate, I produced that, don't make sense song for the unsung episode, and um, him and I just we clicked, and then our vocals together create such a different sound um, than what the troop sound was that we knew then. Like, okay, new soul and the troop reloaded thing, we got something here. We just got to keep dropping records and keep working, and it finally started hitting the road and doing some videos, and that was the whole concept of the troop reloaded. It was incited by um, him getting kicked out of the group. Or he probably would have never even thought of it. He was just trying to figure out a way he was going to be able to survive and continue to, you know, you know um, have a piece of a brand that he ended up making uh, what it is as as part of a member, you know.
0: Yep. And you also had a chance to, um, you and Alan both had a chance to do some songs with Troop. You had, you had a joint foreplay and The Ring, right?
1: Absolutely, yep. The ring and foreplay, and then we got a, we have a full album that's going to be dropping. That's what we've been in the studio working on recently. Um, but I produced foreplay and the ring, and uh, like I said, when when Al and I come together, it's just to, to me, it's just a different, it's just a different sound. You know what I mean? And it makes it special because I feel like I compliment his vocals, and he comp- complements mine. But at the same time, it still has an old school flavor to it. But yet, you know, um, in a familiar sound, but yet something fresh and new at the same time,
0: yeah, yeah troop is uh <clears throat> yeah, troop is bad, they're another group that um I really don't think people give them their just due and their credit for what they were doing, especially the um I interviewed um Steve and I interviewed John John, and I let like them both know. Just how, in my opinion, how cold the Deep album was.
1: Yeah, the third was album. Dope album.
0: Yeah, and I was like, Steve, as a writer, hey, man, like people don't know how much shit Steve's written, <laughs> and like how many songs that they love that Steve did. And the fact that these cats were under twenty-five, and they pulled off a concept album with Deeper, I'm sure you know, as an artist just how hard that is to do to where every single song segues into the next track. It's just not a bunch of songs put together to throw the album out. Like, you know, with the Deeper Project, Troop actually did a damn, you know, what's going on, songs in the key of life. Like every single song, you know, went with the song that preceded it. So it's was Troop for the deep album. But now, like, you know, we're going to talk about, your solo career, my brother. Um, you had that number one record with uh, In the Key of Love, you know, on the UK Soul Charts in 2019. Oh, Baby hit number three on the Indie Soul Charts. Paradise was a top 20. And your soul album, released in 2018, was In the Key of Love. So tell us a little bit about that and what was your inspiration from a writing
1: standpoint, and the vibe you're going for. Um, in, key of, in the in the key of love is still actually trending in the UK and Spain and Japan. That record, the album, it, it's weird because now here in the US, there's a lot of DJs that are just starting to play that record. I'm getting like, I get emails all the time, like, yeah, we just um, hey Stone, send me a drop. We just added this record, and I'm like, you know, that record is a year old, right? Really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was it's, it's a year old, but. My whole purpose was to drop it overseas and to let it spill back into the U.S. That's why I did vinyl, because I knew then the vinyl, all the DJs in California and across the country would jump on the vinyl, and that would create this underground element for the ears. And then in return, you turn around and have the actual physical DJs say, hey, man, who is that you're playing? Oh, really? Okay, well, can I get that? Well, no, we got it from our wholesaler from Japan or U.K. And then they go online and they look for the album and either download it or contact me and then all of a sudden now I'm getting radio spins in the U.S. without even having to take out a campaign and I worked it purposely that way to, to create that sort of underground mis- mysterious element and with that album I wanted to create an old school, new school feel. I said let me experiment with something. I'm going to do an album. I'm not going to care what people think. I'm not going to try to make no hits I'm not going to try to make nobody happy but myself. Let me just put together an album that's just great and feels good. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, who cares? And I had no idea that by blending the R&B and the funk and a little bit of the neo-soul that I would get the response that I got. But it has been overwhelming, to say the least. And it let me know that people were wanting to hear something fresh and new. People wanted to go back to that old-school element. I was like, okay, people want to hear that real stuff again. That was, so that album was completely an experiment that now that I know, okay, that's my recipe. I'm going to stick with that. People love it. The DJs are going crazy over it, over the vinyl. My vinyl is sold out four or five times. The DJs love it from here to Japan, Spain, the UK, and here in the U.S. I said, I have something special. So that is, that's the sound that I'm going to stick with because people, they love the vibe and that's how that album came about.
0: It's a dope project, man. Um, I got, I got. I'm, I'm gonna get a little bit personal quick, if you don't mind. Um, since you mentioned vinyl and making vinyl, and if I, if I get too personal, you know, just let me know. But from a financial standpoint, is it more costly to make vinyl than it is to do it on CD? Um, um, let's see.
1: In the profit sector, it's more profitable to do vinyl because nobody's jumping on CDs like that anymore except for buyers overseas. But, like, you can get vinyl, and the collectors are buying the vinyl. You know, so you can get 300 vinyl pieces, and they're going to sell out, you know, uh, sometimes within three or four days, no no longer than a week or two. Like what what CDs used to do back in the day, like what vinyl used to do back in the 80s, because now the connoisseurs, they call them in the U.K., those are the ones that are collecting the vinyl. So got these guys are buying it up like we're back in the '80s again, and they love funk, and they love R&B, and they love um. They're really into the funk old school R&B. That's like really big in vinyl right now overseas: Japan, Spain, Australia, Italy, um, um, Cuba, uh, uh, um, Brazil. I get so many DJs hit me up from Brazil that it's just it's ridiculous. It makes it makes no sense. I mean. You know, vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. I said, contact the label, contact the, the store in the UK and buy it from them. Because the ones I have, I'm keeping my for myself. Because I made them ship me about uh, like a box so I can keep as a collector because I already know that the value is going to keep going up every year because it's vinyl and then the song has done so well and it's, it continues to do well.
0: Yeah, vinyl's definitely definitely uh, coming back. I was in um, Target a day or two ago and you know, I'm back in the electronics section, you know, looking at media, wasting time. And they actually have, like, an end cap with nothing but the vinyl and, like, a little minical section for CDs. So, yeah, vinyl's definitely um, coming back. I mean, I might jump on the vinyl bandwagon. I mean, I still have my my DJ days. I still have my Techniques single turntable, and then I have a bunch of um, new additions. Because um, I'm, I'm a diehard new edition fan, but so I have a bunch of their singles on um, vinyl. But you know, even when I was a DJ, man, I couldn't. I prefer CDs, just I couldn't really get into vinyl. But I mean, totally, t- totally respected, totally love the sound of vinyl. But I could just never get down with um with the vinyl.
1: Yeah, that vinyl yeah. is about that experience. Now, a younger generation being able to come back here in America, and experience what vinyl, what the big deal is. You know, these kids, what's the big deal about vinyl? Put it on. Enjoy the moment. Listen to it. Listen to the sound of it. It's different than digital. It's an experience. Pop it on and listen to it, and just enjoy it. Listen to that record crackle from the needle. <laughs> All
0: right, so before we get into something that I think folks are going to be surprised about, I just want to ask you about a couple of artists that you um, work with. I'm going to drop some songs on you. Art, some art songs and some artist name, and just see what you remember about that um, particular artist. So up first is going to be Danny Boy with the song mm-hmm. What You Know About Me.
1: Okay. So now that's that's pretty interesting because the What You Know About Me is was actually my song. Uh, there's actually a version of me singing it. It was my song. Danny Boy came in the studio. He loved the song. He was like, "What are you doing with it?" I said, "Well, you want to cut it, bro. I'm probably gonna put it out too. But I mean, you're gonna do something with it. Let's cut it." And he cut it, and and I didn't. I feel like they didn't really move to really promote it like I expected it to happen. So I I released it as well. But yeah, I wrote and produced that song, and um, Danny was working on a new album. He was looking for songs, and he came in the studio and heard that one and said, "Stone, let me get it." And I said, "Absolutely, let's roll."
0: And shout out to Danny Boy, man, who never really got his, uh, he's another one to get his just due. um. the singer, had a great, um, great book. So hopefully Danny Boy gets his um, just due at some point.
1: Yeah, Danny is, is, is an incredible talent, and he's a great person, too. hes um, And, you know, I always, uh, sometimes you just wonder, but this is advice I give to artists. I say, well, you can't wait. You can't be connected to great names and just sit around and think because you're connected to great names, something's going to happen. We got to get out and take that history we have and make it work for us. And I tell you, any artist that's had a history of been around a lot of success, I don't sit back and expect nothing to happen because, you you know, you might have been with this group or from that group or that group because it's, it's not going to happen like that these days. You got to get out here and make it happen.
0: Totally agree. So, Britney Spears, what remixes you produce for her?
1: With the Britney Spears projects and the Teddy Riley and Blackstreet girlfriend boyfriend remixes for the um, and the um, Rugrats remix for um, the Rugrats movie, I was working on the production company and all the other remixes. I was under a company called Grand Jury Productions, and that's spearheaded by industry veteran Michael Concepcion. And there was five yep. of us producers on on the staff. Um, there were the main producers and there's five other guys and we wrote and produced together. So I was a part of a whole production team that worked on that stuff. Well, we did remixes, but um, Britney Spears hit me one more time. France I mean, just about everybody in the industry. Um, the list is huge because Mike's relationship with labels was so strong that it was like every everything that came out came across the desk. We got the remixes to it. And so I was a part of that whole mechanism, part of that team.
0: Nice, nice. Now, you, you just said a name that um, I'm an album credit reader, so if you could just give me a little bit of what he's done in the industry. And I've, I've always been curious. Who it, but never, like, really heard anyone, anyone else, you know, verbally name drop him, and that's Mr. Michael Conception. Because I've seen his name in numerous, you know, album credits. So what was Mr. Conception's? like, part in the industry back in the day?
1: Well, first of all, he, he is one of the most incredible, underrated CEO, label managers, um, executives, man. He's way underrated. This this guy is incredible, and he's been involved with so many people's careers that you wouldn't even know. Like, I tell people this all the time, some of the stuff that I get excited to tell people, you know, um, that I was, you know, he signed me to a, publishing deal as a producer and writer, Michael Conceptions' history goes all the way back to We All in the Same Gang. He's the one that put that project together. He's the one that took um, Teddy Riley and Blackstreet over to Interscope and got them their deal. He's the one that um, took Dr. Dre over to Interscope and got him that deal. Um, he, uh, oh my God, he's done so much. So Modern day, let's move to modern day, because he's done so much back in the day involved with just about everybody from hip-hop in the business. He's the reason why Kendrick Lamar is in the position he's in. His cousin, he pretty much took his cousin to Interscope, plugged him in with that deal, because Kendrick is his nephew. And here we go. Uh, now, this generation, the next generation, Mike has his hands in on the next superstar, which is Kendrick Lamar. Mike Conception was behind that, too.
0: Wow. See yeah, man and that's what it's about, man. It's about these stories right here, me as an album credit reader and me as a as an old soul is hearing things like this from um you know, a vet like yourself and just speaking so highly on another industry veteran who like I said, I know the name, but I don't know just how much he's actually done in the industry because I mean I again reading album credits Like, you know, I would always say the name. Shout-out to Mike Conception. Shout-out to Mr. Michael Conception for doing what he did. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, he's a heavyweight
1: and very well-respected.
0: Let's kind of, you know, get away from music a little bit, and let's get into your little, uh, your dabbling in uh, martial arts. You know, I saw the photo you posted with an actor from my childhood, who I I always rocked with, Mr. Don the Dragon Wilson. How did you get involved in martial arts? And can you tell us your uh? belt and the style you practice
1: um i've been training since i was like 12 years old in martial arts and my you know my aunt put me in martial arts when i was a kid because you know back in the 70s it was all about keeping kids busy so they stay out of trouble so my aunt put me in martial arts and um the style i study is i started with kung fu um and then ended up not getting my advance in Kung Fu because I got excited about Taekwondo and ended up getting my black belt in Taekwondo. And that's where I stayed at. I still dibble and dab in Kung Fu later on after I got my black belt in, in Taekwondo. Uh, but ta- you know, Kung Fu was my first start and Taekwondo is where I ended up at. And, you know, I have two world, no, no, now I have four world championships. Um, International Martial Arts Championship uh, Black Belt, Senior Black Belt Division titles. Um And and I'll fight a couple times a year. I haven't fought now in about a year because I hurt my arm a year ago. Um, and so I haven't been able to um, – my arm still hasn't fully healed. So I was like, shoot, I better be careful because I use this arm to cut records. So I haven't fought in about a year. So I plan to fight in January. But, uh, yeah, that's my life. It's like music and martial arts has been – Pretty much my whole life, and that's where my discipline comes from, is the martial arts side of it. As far as being able to really keep myself under control and things like that, Um, the martial arts training really, really helped me with that a lot.
0: And how'd you link up with uh, Down the Dragon Wilson?
1: Well, Mr. Wilson, sometimes when there's tournaments, they invite some of the black belts of us all be part of the, um, the judging. So he was one of the judges and he was also there, um, selling his book. And, um, and so that day after we, after they had called all the judges, he was one of the judges. I was one of the judges. Um, we were talking about this film cause I told him I'm going to be working on a martial arts film and I like to talk to him about being in it. And when the cool part about it, he was like, yeah, man, here's my number, you know, yeah, call, I, you know, I'd love to, you know, do some, Work, yeah, what is it about? And I kind of gave him a synopsis of the movie, and I said, yeah, I'm trying to have some of the legends in the movies, maybe a couple cats if I can get them. I know everybody's busy and spread out, but um he was there as a judge as as I was, and I was fighting in the tournament. he wasn't, but he was a judge, so when they brought all the judges together uh in the room to judge all the um the uh turn all the uh the different um um fights that were going to happen with the black belt division him and I start talking and, and that's how I ran into him. You know.
0: All right, so before we close out, you know, I gotta hit you with a um a hard question. Um, uh
1: oh let's see
0: <laughs> no just, just something something you gotta think about really quick. So uh top five martial arts clicks of all time
1: um uh let me see Bruce Lee Fist of Fury. Um, Bruce Lee into the Dragon. Um, Kickboxer. Um uh let me see. Uh um that's three. Um Oh, what's that Jet Lee movie? Um Dang, come on, come on. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, um what say it again?
0: Fist of Legend, the ones like Fist of Fury?
1: Yes, 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 yes. No, no. That one I got. I think I got Fist
0: of Fury, right? No, no, yeah. Jet Li's Fist of Legends pretty much remake uh Fist of Fury. It's just you yeah, know yeah, it has yeah, Jet Li in one. it. Yeah, that one.
1: That one.
0: Um
1: the the um uh this is old martial arts movie called like the uh the the twelve uh oh goodness. The twelve was it the 12 uh, animal signs? No, animal forms. the 12 animal forms. You remember that old movie? This is the old one, bro. I'm talking about this is like really probably back? back from the 50s, maybe even 30s. The 12 animal oh, forms. Yeah, that's,
0: that's way, yeah, way, way. one of early
1: Chinese movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's one <laughs> of the I stopped in the 70s. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. And the last question is going to be Is there anybody, if you could just name one artist, that you love to write for you haven't written for yet that you would um, love to bless your pen with?
1: One artist that I would love, Stevie Wonder. Because let me tell you something interesting. It's a song on my album called I Don't Think She's Gone. And you know who that was written for? Stevie. Two people. I wrote that for the Jacksons and for Stevie Wonder. And Stevie heard it first through Marva King, who I produced a lot of Marvin King's records from uh, the new power generation. I produced a lot of her records. Yeah. Um, she played Helen too in the diary. So she played the record for Stevie and she called me back and said, Stevie Stone, Stevie, she, she heard it and said, send me that record. I want to play it for Stevie. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. So she played it for Stevie. She hit me back and say, Stevie absolutely loves the record. He wants to do it, but he, he has to find the time to do it. But Stone, he loves that record. So then I contacted my boy Amir from Cooling the Gang at first. Initially, I was trying to get it to the Jacksons. I said, Amir, because I know the Jacksons, but they always change their numbers, Jackie or or Jermaine. So it's like literally this month the number is one number, and then, you know, next time it's gone. So I was like, well, I can't get a hold of Jackie, but I know Amir talks to them all the time. So I said, hey, Amir, I got a record. And I know the Jacksons are working on their album. This was last year. And I said, man, this album, I'm, this song, I'm telling you, it'll be a, a new hit for the Jacksons, right? Because of how I structured the harmonies on the chorus. Sounds like some Jackson stuff. Or Stevie, you know? And so just seemed that just seemed like it couldn't happen. And that's when Marva heard it and said um, that um, she would love to uh, let Stevie hear it. And Stevie loved it, but I guess he just was busy and never found the time. So I'll just put it out on my album. Real story. So I would love to work with Stevie because I feel like Stevie's so incredible that I could I could do some stuff where Stevie could take it and take it to another level when him and I are working together. So my I'm so, like, interested in working with Stevie. And I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen for sure. But that's who I really – because I feel like, you know, he's loved by all generations, young and old. And if I could – give Stevie a record that has a current vibe to it, but still old school vibe. I feel like I can be a part of him reinventing himself. And I would love to be a part of that reinvention of his history, you know, of his new history with the younger generation.
0: Cool. Just for my own um, personal kindness, you know, I got to ask by my favorite group. Do you ever have a chance to do anything with anybody in new edition or with the group?
1: Um, no, you know, at, at one time I suppose I'd done something with Ralph, um, but I, I, you know, once again, you know how it is in this business when you talk to people and, and somebody else talks to them, and then it just seems to never happen. But I suppose I'd done something with with Ralph, and I could have done some. Honestly, I could have done stuff with a lot of them, but I just didn't. I just didn't move forward with pushing the issue, you know. But but I'm pretty sure I could have because, you know, they know who I am, you know. So I could have easily yeah. been like, "Hey man, let me shoot some songs." Or certain stuff I'll push, certain stuff I'll lean back on and let it happen.
0: Yeah, you're not the um, you're not the first person to to say that. Um, as as much as I, you know, rock some Cats like to the fullest. You know, shout out to Ralph. You know, the, the new single is dope. You know, they still haven't. Um, I say, got out, got out of their own way, because there's there's still so much that they could do that they haven't I done. Know. And um, you know, the momentum from the miniseries, should have happened, and again, it's like you know, I can only speak on what speak on it as a fan and whatever you guys are going through internally. Like you know, the iron was hot after that miniseries to really put you guys up there, because even after the miniseries, um. Yeah, you know, I still don't think they've gotten their dress doing. and they're still vastly underrated by, you know, a lot of people. But that's just my personal feeling. So we're not gonna go I, you know, we'll be here tomorrow we we're talking on new edition. So I wanna thank Mr. Stone. Well, 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 since
1: you're talking about new editions, let me get just give you a little insight or something. My buddy right now is doing a documentary that's coming out under Netflix. And you know Ralph don't talk that much, right? He's the only person yeah. you've never seen do it, but guess what? My buddy called me. His name is Isaac Taylor. He, one of the executive producers with Unsung. He called me because I'll be doing some music for this new show he has. It's like a music show, kind of like Unsung, that's coming out on the Netflix. And Ralph Tresvant is the first person they're launching. He's going to tell the story, his side of the story about life, his music, the group. It's coming. They're working on it right as we speak. I'm doing the scoring of the music for the show.
0: Well, damn, yeah, I'm going to have to with an
1: interview with my buddy whenever you ready exactly. oh yeah me yeah
0: by all means man um so i've been trying to um i've been trying to get ralph on for a um for a minute i mean it's it's supposed to happen sooner than later but um you know i'm, I'm still kind of you know brand new and so like you know and i get it, like you know it's numbers thing and all that but um it's like, you know, the questions, the questions that I ask them, they won't be the standard questions. Like, you know, I'd probably spend maybe maybe 10 minutes on New Edition because, you know, I know that he's much more than New Edition, you know, because I'm a fan. So, like like yourself, he's deep in the martial arts. So, you know, I, I would touch on that. I touch on his love of the Celtics. I touch on him being a vegan. Like, you know, you're much more than, you know, the lead singer of a, a group. So, that's, that's, that's one of the goals now. Just to try to get a uh, try to get Ralph on the podcast. Um, yeah, man. If you want to up somebody, just uh, let me know. So I want to thank Mr. Stone Paxton for stopping through the interview, giving me stories about martial arts, about Rick James, his songwriting process, just a bunch of um, gems. I highly, highly, highly urge you guys to check out. This brother's music on all streaming platforms. I mean, he has songs with Troop. He has compilations. He has his own solo album. He has Christmas music. So just type in Stone Paxton in your search engine, and you'll find a little bit something on this very talented human being. And where can folks find you on social media, brother?
1: Uh, Social media, Instagram at Stone Paxton, Facebook at Stone Paxton, Twitter, at Stone
0: Paxton. And is there anything picking up for uh, 2020 post-COVID solo album-wise? Are you still going to be pushing the current project?
1: Uh, I got a new album that's about to come out called Kundalini Awake Me. I'm about to drop the first single in the next three weeks, and then the album is going to drop. But I'm only doing physical first for three months, and then I'll drop the digital to force people to buy the physical.
0: Uh, you got a fan in me, so let me know and when, I, when I can buy it. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still about all the uh, physical. So before we go, I'm going to leave you guys with a quote by Mr. Stone Paxson's homie, the legendary, the iconic, the underrated, the, the super freak himself, Mr. Rick James. And that is, now is my time. Everything I've done up to this point is just a warm-up. This is where it all begins. Until the next time done out hey it's your man royale
1: Watkins, writer comedian director husband father friend you are
0: checking out reviews and done right be sure to check out this episode and be sure to check out some of the other amazing episodes shout out to my man derek dunn for having me on the show and we'll look forward to you guys checking us out (laughs) then <laughs>